0: Hey, welcome, friends, to our very um, long-awaited Christmas episode. Merry Christmas, everybody. I I will say, though, Mark, your lair is not very uh, Christmassy. (laughs) We have a Christmas tree, but it's not (laughs) decorated (laughs) yet. There's absolutely uh, no Christmas lights, so it doesn't feel very festive, but I will say uh, we're still in the mood.
1: We're
0: still Um, in the spirit. Yeah.
2: Even though, well, that's because it's technically, well, it's getting closer to Christmas. Don't you know
0: the rule? After Thanksgiving... You can automatically go into Christmas mode. You or,
2: cannot or
1: should? After,
0: you should. You probably okay. should, yeah.
1: We went before Thanksgiving, is
2: that bad?
0: Nah, my, <laughs> that's good. dude, ever since November hit, my wife's already been in Christmas mood, so. You know my what?
2: wife's been like, hey, let's get a tree, let's get a tree before Thanksgiving. I was like, but it's gonna die. And then by the time Christmas comes, it's just gonna be like a withered that, husk. That's
3: why you get a fake one, pre-lit, less work.
0: Oh, that's true. How long do Christmas trees stand up? Because I never had a real one. It,
3: it depends how well you we take care of it. Yeah, yeah, I heard if you feed it the right stuff, like you are supposed to make some stuff in the water. Sure. And if you do that, it it lasts way longer. But we haven't had a real one in
0: man yeah. years. It's a fire hazard, right? Sure. Well,
2: My opinion towards fake Christmas trees is like Trump's opinion towards fake news. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's pretty <laughs> harsh, So you
0: always, you always have a real Christmas tree? Yeah,
2: we ha- I don't think we've ever had a fake Christmas tree, even like when I was growing up. What do you do with it after Christmas? Burn it. Well, when we had a place to burn it. But now I just toss it out. Free Christmas tree.
1: We use them for New Year's night for youth.
0: <laughs> and then we don't care what happens to them because they're not in our possession uh, anymore. Then we burn it. <laughs> they burn real quick, by the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I that's what I remember is like, I don't know if that was an excuse not to have Christmas trees, but remember in our church, They they kept saying it's like a real big fire hazard and they wouldn't let us have them. Really?
1: No, our church has always had real
0: Christmas trees. And I think they smell they smell good too. You know, you always got that ferny type. I don't know. We had in our in laws and I was helping my mom in law set it up and she had like this awesome one where it's like three big pieces and then you just click 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 and then it just opens up and you got a Christmas tree and and it's pre
1: lit if it's pre lit. Well,
0: yes, hers is as as well. It's already wrapped. So all she had to do was really just, you know, put on little...
1: Put a little trinkets here and there, put a yeah. thing on top, and you're
0: done. Yeah, pictures but. of, like, third grade and my best Christmas ever. And <laughs> and, then, um, and then she does, like, the she, you know, she puts it under the Christmas tree like this. Anyways, there's a lot of festive stuff, right? You get into the mood. Um, but I think there's an important aspect to Christmas and... Of course, with this podcast, we always go deep into what Christmas is. Uh, we're going to talk about the spiritual side, and I think we're going to talk about um, what it really meant, what was the significance. Um, but, you know, it's important to ask, uh, why Why do we need to talk about, you know, Jesus coming to earth? Um, why is it so significant? Because, you know, we have uh, when he resurrected in three days and we celebrate Easter. I mean, that's a pretty significant holiday, I, w- I would say. Um, and there's just so much information in Scripture and just how how powerful God is through you know His resurrection. But when we go back and look at His birth, um, if you look into Scripture, I think you can find a lot of things that it's interesting how I think too.
2: Christmas is one of the most important holidays or one of the most famous holidays in both the world and even amongst us Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, like even I remember growing up in youth. The amount of time you prep for Easter compared to Christmas was completely different. For Christmas, you have plays, you have all these different things that you uh, put in, um, and uh, it's it is important. But the reason why it's important is, I think sometimes we don't focus on that exactly.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things about Christmas that um, take its true meaning away, its true significance away, and you know, there's movies there's um religions there's other cults and there's all these things that are around us that when christmas day comes along there's so much distraction from what christmas actually means from you know jesus being born and you know the other day we were just like i said my wife is a, a huge christmas geek but we were you know we were watching family time we were watching these christmas movies and I'm always, I always end up, like the first 30 minutes, I'm like, oh yeah, pretty cool movie. But then when it gets to detail about who Santa Claus is, I'm always sitting there with my arms crossed. And I'm like, I always see there's a lot of kind of these, I, I don't know if you want to call it, these hidden things that they put into movies to kind of emphasize an idea about who a character is, right? Sometimes they uh, put these things in that you no, normal people don't really, if you don't think about it, you don't really notice it. Um, but they were portraying Santa Claus as, this all powerful being that lives in a land where humans can't get to you know and then they went into detail about his background cuz this is like a two two this is like a two movie series so we were watching the first ones and the first one they were talking about you know this this little girl meets santa claus she accidentally sneaks into his magical land and then he tells her how he became and it's so crazy he was saying that he was in an Arab country and there he met some elves that were thousands of years old and they gave him this star and this star has this ultimate power. So now he took that star, brought it back here and he put it on top of a Christmas tree and it points to the North Star and when they align, the city becomes magical and it's powered off this star and he's now got this magical power of being this all known, all wise being that keeps track of everybody. That knows what everybody's doing. He knows whether you've been good. And the only way you'll get something from him is through your deeds, through how good you are. On so Earth. it's like the government. <laughs> it's like a lot of things. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, what are they trying to say with this guy? You know. But growing up, Santa Claus does is a big distraction. I, you know, I'm not sitting here saying don't ever say anything about Santa Claus, and I'm just saying it's a distraction it's a distraction
2: well, from who jesus is they're trying to take away right they're they're trying yeah. to distract and they're trying to take away and i think it's it's evident how recently i don't know if you guys remember <clears throat> in the past few years there's always been you know there's a there's a war going on it's like happy holidays happy xmas nobody wants to say christmas and so a lot of christians will not even shop at stores that don't say christmas or that uh, don't allow people to say Christmas. So there's always this, they're always trying to take away att- away attention from Christ and to point to something else. So, Christmas. Remember the whole, it's okay to say Merry Christmas. Yeah. yeah.
3: Exactly. I just say it to the cashier and then run away just in case <laughs> they get mad. Merry
2: <laughs> Christmas, as in Christ, <laughs> as in the king. Yeah.
3: does hand him a tract.
0: But if you think about it, it is a lot, a little more scary um, because especially anything that goes towards kids, towards children, is a very serious thing. Um, Because children are growing up, right? They're learning new things. And if you implant this Santa Claus early on, that he's the all-powerful, all-knowing, and just these little things, and you you stuff that into their little kid brains, uh, they're going to grow up. uh, Some kids even reach seven, eight years old, they're still waiting on Santa Claus, you know? So, it's harder than i i feel like for that for that child to um really think about who christ is cuz she's distracted now and it's very easy to get distracted so those kind those kinds of things are why it's important to talk about um christmas in a biblical sense or the birth of christ i just reference it to the birth of christ um
3: it's important too because you know we're talking about how christ kind of filters the the objectivity of a christian child but i don't want to say we do the same thing but we kind of do the same thing about our story too you know we kind of fantasize over the the christmas story also our version of it you know christ coming to this earth being born it's it's turned into it's turned into a very picture book kind of story you know and i think that's what we're trying to get across here with this episode that it's so much more than that i think it's okay to do that you know if you're you're explaining it to a six-year-old, you're not going to get into the depths of, you know, he was the son of God, but he was equal to God. And he had to come to this earth and start tying it to Easter itself because that was the ultimate purpose. You know, it's okay to explain it to a child in childlike senses, but I think we have to be careful not to almost romanticize our version of the story too, because there is so much more to it. And, and I think you, you end up loving the more childlike aspects of the story even more when you understand the depths of the story also.
0: Hey, you're now offending me because my favorite memories when I was a kid was participating with my Christmas or with my uh, Sunday school group. And then after we get these big bags of candy that take you a whole week to eat. One of my favorite memories.
2: When you say our version of Christmas, what are you talking about?
3: I meant like as as opposed to Santa Claus, mm-hmm. like our Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. Christ being born to this earth. Okay, because you know, there's the world's Christmas and there's what we believe, it's and I'm saying version. that sometimes we we kind of water down our version of it too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we've we've kind of broken down our story to a couple key bullet points, and it's as just long as like the nativity scene, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As long as those key features are there, we pretty much have our version of what the Bible says. But in reality, sometimes when you actually open up the Bible. There's little details here and there where you're like, oh wow, that was written there. Or a lot of stuff we just add, we just assume you know, this is what happened. When in the Bible, it doesn't say that at all. It's, it, it's actually a very, very vague story. You know, according, I, when I read it, I'm surprised at how quickly the whole story goes through. Mm-hmm. Usually by the end of chapter one of Matthew, you're kind of done. Mm-hmm. And it's like, didn't, I remember watching a movie that had like an hour and a half worth of content on this. Where, where did all that come from? somebody's brain. Um, I was thinking
2: about like Christmas being the starting point, but Christmas what, uh, you know, the starting point of Christ, but it's not the starting point. Um, Christ existed way before then. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons why we decided for, uh, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but we decided to pick the book of John and we want to look at uh, the Christmas story according to the gospel of John. Um, So there's, As everyone knows, there's four different Gospels. Um, Three of them are called the Synoptic Gospels, and it's Matthew, Mark, and and Luke. Um, Why they're called the Synoptic Gospels is because they have a lot of similarities, Um, while John is a little different. So I want to quickly jump into um, John and kind of discuss about even, like, just about the book and about the author. Um, So the book of John was written by the... Apostle John. Um, And it's actually one of the more later books written um, than the other three books. And one point that differentiates John between the other three uh, Gospels is the purpose for why John wrote the book. Um, Let me read it real quick for you guys Uh, John 20, 30 through 31. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So uh, a lot of theologians say and use uh, this verse 31 to say that the, the reason or the purpose or the author's intent as to writing the book of John is so that people may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I think if, if you take that um, and look at it from the very beginning, it becomes super evident that that is what John's intent is. So we have, um, like I think what Mark was mentioning before, if you look at Matthew and Luke, it's more of a historical account of what happened. It's a narrative of what happened on the night or, you know, surrounding uh, time of what's going on. Uh, during the nativity. But John's approach is a little different. John actually uses one tiny little phrase that we're going to be talking about a little bit more. Um, he says, the word became flesh. So he he says that as, intru- as introducing the birth of Christ in, in that one little phrase, but he also begins um, John a little differently. Um, so... Do you guys want to read? Who, was, who wants to read John 1, 1 through 18?
1: I'll go ahead and read it. <clears throat> so we're going to be mostly focusing on John 14, uh, chapter 1, verse thirteen. But we'll go ahead and read through eight, 1 through 18 just to give us some more uh, context to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him
2: So one thing that Serge mentioned earlier was we're going to be focusing on the word became flesh, um, that verse. And to begin with, it says, and the word became flesh. So and means there was something before there. And so the word is also mentioned here that uh, Serge just read all the way from the very beginning. So let's look at verse one real quickly um, and uh, maybe talk about verse one. So it begins with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So here we're talking about creation. Um, Isn't it interesting how John begins his gospel exactly like Genesis 1-1 begins? Mm -hmm. The the phrasing is exactly the same, in the beginning. So he's, he's he's portraying Christ here not only as... Um, you know, the son of man coming down to earth. But he, he, go, he, puts, he, he also puts a place for us to understand who Christ is here and that um, he actually partook in the creation.
1: Are you saying that Christ, where, where John is saying, you know, the word, the word, the word, are you saying that is Jesus Christ?
2: Yes. Okay. I think, I think it's kind of evident here, right? Because he says um, he was in the beginning with God. And then verse 14, just like you said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. So the word there in uh, verse 14 uh, is the same exact uh, word used in verses 1
1: through 3. Yeah, I agree. I also kind of find it interesting, which, you know, as I was just reading, not just for but as I was preparing for this, something that I never really paid attention to, but uh, where John, right, uh, reiterates John the Baptist's words, uh, this, he says, this was he of whom I said, he comes after me, ranks before me, because he was before me. It's a, John the Baptist was technically born first, but he understands that uh, Christ was always there bef- even before the creation. And he realizes and acknowledges the fact and he iterates that fact that Jesus Christ is the word. He always was, is, and will be.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there's a foundational importance of, going and looking at how Genesis begins and how uh, John begins. Um, just like you said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. When we look at the Word, um, it's kind of another way to kind of think about it, I think it's um, God kind of revealing himself to us. That's what we, when we see the talking about the Word, it's it's his connection with us, or it's his... Him communicating with us. Communicating with us, right. And if you think about it that way, it kind of opens up a picture to you, easier way to understand what, what it means. Uh, because I, I remember even now, you know, sometimes I have to read these three verses four or five times before I finally grasp it. Um, you definitely have to pay attention, I think, when you read the beginning of this. And you have to know, you know, the word. It's talking about the word and what that is, and it's just <coughs> Jesus or God revealing himself to us.
1: So I just wanted to add on uh, maybe some other Cross-reference some other passages that also kind of speak of the same thing, where the fact that Christ was at the very beginning, uh, you know, he was part of the he was part of creation. Uh, If you, Apostle Paul writes the same thing in Colossians chapter one verse sixteen, where he writes, "For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him." So it definitely helps us, you know, paint a picture of the fact that everything that we know, you know, about God, that he's doing this all for, because of Jesus Christ.
2: I think it's important how it actually points out, um, not only Christ was the son of God, he is God. Because here, let me just read it again. Uh, if you think about just reading it quickly, it's like you don't think about it much. But if you think about the significance of the words, and I'll I'll add a little bit of my own emphasis on some of them. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he, the Word here is, we already concluded that it's talking about Christ's, right? So if we say, in the beginning was the Word, or as in Christ, um, and Christ was with God, and Christ was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse two kind of reemphasizes the fact. It's, it's just a bold statement. And I like how John is like black and white. There is no gray. He's just clearly stating and pointing out, not only was um, Christ, you know, the son of God, he was there from the very beginning. And, and verses, verse three, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So not only did he just was a partaker of creation, there was not a single thing that was made, that exists in um, the universe, uh, none of that
3: was created without him. So my question then is, why is this important to the Christmas story? Why is this important to the overall narrative of Christ coming to this earth? What, what does this add to what we know about him coming to this earth and what he did for us? Are you coming down to the fact about his death and crucifixion or well, just about... if that's if the, that... the
2: reason, yeah. I think also, sorry, go ahead, Mark.
3: No, I, I mean, I just just share your thoughts. What do you, why is this so important then? I, it is important. I'm not being like, I'm not asking a rhetorical question. I'm like, so what is the significance of, of acknowledging the fact that he was there at the beginning?
2: So I think I, from my perspective, um, one thing that uh, points out is, and we've talked about this before in different Bible studies, not on the podcast, but um, crucifixion was not anything new. Um, to the Roman Empire, even during the time of Christ. Um, There were many people that died on the cross. There were many people that you know died for their sufferings or for for their sins. Christ is different because of who he was, right? That's that's the whole point. Um, Why do we have salvation from our sins? It's not just because Christ was a man and died on the cross. Many people died. It was because he was and is God. That plays a huge and significant role to it. Anyone else want to add to it?
0: And it says that all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. It it paints you a picture of the how powerful God or Christ is, being with God in the time of creation, and being God in the time of creation. That He He hasn't changed. There's no change. There's no just Christ appears out of nowhere. Uh, this new this you know this new human or or in what perspective, but. He he was existent. He um, he is pre-incarnate. He had he has done work before he even showed up on this earth, right? Um, being outside of time, he knew and knew what everything that needs to happen. So it just shows his power. His power, I think, and that he's the creator. But I
2: think it also it also like you said, it shows his power. And then going off of what Mark said, um, if you think about everything he's made including humans, including life, right? So verse four then goes on and saying, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So if we, from a Christian's perspective, if we are born again, if we have newness of life, if we are supposed to be a new creature in Christ, it shows here that Christ had the power before, that he, he has the ultimate authority. He has The ultimate power to create life, to take away life. He he created life from the very beginning, and He also has the power to create us again and to uh, change us from the inside. I think that's like it, just like I'm looking at it and I'm just like getting goosebumps just thinking about it. No,
1: I I definitely agree because, I mean, even in uh, verse 12, He says, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So it's, you know, it's through Jesus Christ that we get this new life. I kind of want to dive into a little bit, if you guys are fine with that, into the more aspect of why uh, we all know that we're all all born sinners, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. We deserve, what is it that we deserve since we're all born sinners? Death. 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 Absolutely. We all deserve death. And Scripture goes a lot into detail about that. And I just want to uh, read a passage. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of lengthy, but it goes a lot into why Christ had to come. It's written in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 21. And uh, he writes the following. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by that one man's disobedience that many were made sinners, so by that one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I know that is a lot. Uh, there's a lot of reiteration there, but in, in short, if I were to wrap this up in a few sentences, we all know that in, uh, in the beginning, in the story of Genesis chapter three, is where sin first entered the world, where Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they Brought sin into the world, death, suffering, disease, and everything else. And as scripture writes here, is because of that one act of that one man, Adam, we are all born sinners and we all deserve death. They messed it up for us. Yeah. <laughs> True, but you know, we are, even without them, we're still planning a guarantee yeah. of all the actions. Exactly. Uh, but what he says here is that death was brought into this world by that one act, by that one man. And same thing in the reverse sense, we have salvation, we have righteousness, eternal life through the act of one man, Jesus Christ. Yeah, how much, how
2: much more, right?
1: How much more, exactly. Which, you know, as you guys already mentioned before, it shows God's great power. It shows His grace, His mercy, His love, His holiness towards us, His great plan of salvation that, you know, we can spend years trying to explain and not get all the details about it, but it's just like so magnificent. You can't, it's hard to explain in words. It's, it's just a very happy feeling. Inside. It
0: also adds to the whole aspect of significance because now when you were reading this and I was kind of thinking about it, you, you, you start realizing that your salvation or the gift that is for you, that ultimate sacrifice came into earth. I mean, just thinking about that, what could be more of joy to us, right? What, what else could we think about um, that would make us so, just mesmerized, or just so happy that that happened. Because you know, if it, it didn't happen, right? What would be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins?
1: Well, what would be the happiness? Then? Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, as you know, you guys were talking about before, how nowadays we have this picture of what Christmas is. It's the lights, the festivities, the plays, the caroling, and all that. And we have this very watered down. Truth of the meaning bef- behind that, and it's interesting because Scripture, ne- God, never actually tells us to celebrate this holiday. You know, it is not a command. Like for pass- we, do, we don't pass- see it in the New Testament either.
2: Yeah, like, during ne- the church history.
1: Yeah, it's not till you know many centuries later, I think, is when it's finally getting separ- celebrated. But it's it's not a God-given command to celebrate like Passover. does talk about Saint Nick. No, it doesn't.
2: <laughs> well, we do. We do see some celebration.
1: We see some celebration in the
2: in the gospels, right? When uh, the angels came to the shepherds, yes, they were celebrating bear, for sure
1: to you know give them the good news that you know their Messiah is born. And same thing with the wise men; they knew the prophecies and they came to see it for
2: themselves as well and to you know bow
1: down, which they did.
2: And Elizabeth had joy when her baby leapt in her womb, and she prophesied right about Mary when Mary came close. Yeah, it's very interesting so there but there was joy and there was celebration but, but
1: my point is is like Mark mentioned earlier is that we have this very watered down truth about what Christmas is. It's not the festivities, it's not, you know, just the the joy of singing carols, drinking hot chocolate, the presents, the plays and all that. It's really understanding why Christ had to come the way he did, why he did and what he was getting ready to do for us and the fact that he did. And, you know, my, my personal opinion, Christmas isn't even the biggest holiday of the year. It really is about his resurrection, his death and resurrection. Because, yeah, if he was born this way, great, awesome. But if he didn't die and resurrect like he did, then this means nothing.
2: And I think one of the points that stands out so much in the Gospel of John is who Christ was before he came, right? Because if you if you think about it and read, you, you uh, uh, sorry, sorry, Serge, you read that passage where um, talking about how he has powers over princip- principalities and authorities. He is hes the one who sets, like, you know, if you think about it, when you read the uh, book of Job um, and God starts to ask questions towards Job, he says, who's the one who told the stars where to stay? You know, who's the one who told the, where the land to, st- um, where the water to stop going to the land? So God, God questions Job and he asks him, like, he kind of in a sense flexes right saying who do you think you're talking to and so if you if you look at it from this perspective right creator of the universe um and who who even in the old testament would assume that god would become a man right who would even assume and if you think about it it's like it's the it's one huge leap some people say it's like the greatest leap um, in human, uh, ever because if you think about it, going from God and then being born of your own creation mm-hmm. because your creation messed up. It shows this huge leap down, right? Talk about being demoted. If, you, if you're like a manager and you're not performing at your job and they demote you to like somebody else, you're like, man, that sucks. If Even if you got demoted to a janitor, at the same time, you'd be like, well, at least I have a job. At least, you know, I can provide for my family. But if you look at it from creator of the universe, and then going down, and not only just becoming a man, being born of such a way of a, 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 through a woman, you know, um, it's just like it's insane.
0: Like Mark, I want to get to that uh, just the becoming, the whole becoming part, right? But um, just to kind of uh, go over these couple of verses, I, I really want to get to the meat of verse fourteen and talk about that. But I'm um, just reading, you know, verse six, um, seven, and eight. it, it in nine and ten, I think John kind of also adds on to, to who, to um, he's actually John is more of a witness, right? Mm-hmm. And he's he's speaking to the, the people that he um, brought forth to get baptized, and he preaches to them about who Christ is, right? And and the things he says, I kind of want to real quick touch on those things because he he also kind of uh, puts it into more detail of how powerful God is as well, right? Um, You know, going on verse six, it says that there was a man sent from God. It's talking about um, John the Baptist, the man that came for a witness to bear witness of the light all throughout him, might believe. Um, And then it says that he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So he was not Christ. He was the witness of him. He Mm -hmm. was preparing the way, right? That was the true light. Now it's talking about uh, Jesus, which gives to every man coming into this world. And then verse 10, it says that he was in the world and the world was made through him. So that's kind of touching on how powerful I think God is as well, is because uh, the world was made through him and he was there the whole time. The world did not know him. Um, And then it talks about kind of like the other side, right? From humanity, who Jesus was. It says that we did not know him, that he came to his own, his own creation, and his own did not receive him. Um, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So there's this big picture in these couple of verses, right before we get to verse 14 of of, of, uh, John the Baptist describing who Jesus is. And he elevates himself you know, way higher. Even though John is speaking powerful words, he still explains very carefully that um, the one, the light, Jesus is coming and he's the one, he's the creator. He's the creator that's gonna become one with his creation to his own. And unfortunately his own is not gonna even recognize him. Mm -hmm. So exactly, I think it's, um, John
2: then talks about who he was, right? Talking about he is the light and John acknowledges that even he was before him. Um, And going again, if we look at, who Christ was, and then to say that he was born. That's one huge step um, in humility as well. And uh, just before we jump into 14, I also want to read Philippians 2, which is uh, pretty amazing when it talks about the humility of Christ. Um Have this mind, Philippians 2 verse 5, have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So that kind of like overall summarizes it. Um... But I, I think one huge point is there's humility, right? He took on the form of a servant. Not only did he become a man, but he took on the form of a servant uh, of a lowly creature compared to who he was before in order. And the reason is like, why? Like, why did he do this? It's for, it's for me and you, you know? Yep. And it's, it's staggering if you, just, if you think about it.
0: And, and when you look at the word uh, become, so, you know, we see verse 14, and the world became... And the word, sorry, and the word became flesh flesh and dwelt among us. So, the word became flesh. How does God go into becoming something? Right? He is the Creator. We already covered that. He is the Almighty, the Powerful. How can some? How can God become? And I think it's one of those things you have to kind of think about. Um, He, God, doesn't change. God doesn't turn into something. Um, God. Pretty much like you said, he he, just like it says in Philippians, he took himself and um, he took the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. So now God comes down as the creator to his creation, humbling himself, going from all powerful uh, God into a form of a human and um, and I know before we started recording, Mark had a very interesting question. I think Mark, you should ask that question I, because I'm sure that question goes through many people. I mean, uh, reading John or reading any you know any of the other gospels, you might ask yourself that.
3: Okay, so there was this while preparing for this, I had this thought. I guess I don't know why or where it came from, but I was just thinking about the whole story and the logistics of it. And I tend to pretty often when I'm when I'm preparing to talk about about God's word or share my thoughts about God's word. I always try to
0: ask challenging questions,
3: ask challenging questions, but I also, I, I do that to test myself too. You know, I almost, I want to try to play the the opposition. If someone were, was to be listening to me at this moment, whether they're a believer or not, you know, what is something they could bring up? What are some questions they could offer me? Is, am I, is my knowledge of this passage or of, of God's word as a whole strong enough for me to be able to answer them properly? And while I was preparing for this, one of the Questions or a thought that popped up in my mind was: If we're going to acknowledge the fact that God is is God, He is all-knowing, all-powerful, He can do anything, He can be anywhere, He was there at the beginning, He created this world, then why was it so necessary for Christ to be born as an infant? Where where is the significance in that? If we understand, if we all acknowledge as believers that the ultimate goal. I guess we can even say the only purpose of Christ coming to this earth was to die for our sins. He was the perfect sacrifice that was supposed to die on a cross for our sins. Then why not just skip out of the whole process? He why, could have rode
0: in on a white horse at 33 and started. Even, even well, that's if what came, they were expecting,
3: actually. <laughs> even if he came in like a humbled form of a servant, why go through childbirth? Why go through... You know, we we assume it's about thirty years of not, life not, in this not earth. E-
2: not even childbirth, you know, because he, he was con- conceived, right? So even as, as a fetus. Yeah, It's to prove his deity. That's
4: what I believe. It's Whoa, who's go- this
0: talking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There's it an jumped unfamiliar in, yeah. voice. <laughs> Jump right in here. He, he was just
4: like holding
0: himself back the whole time, and he's like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> This is not one of us uh, with a different voice. He's like, he's like our, Jeremiah. And our his brother bones are Vlad. On fire. Our brother Vlad joined us today, so yeah. uh,
1: I was wondering if you were ever going to introduce uh, yeah, him. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's a brief <laughs> introduction right there. He's one of our close friends and uh, knowledge in scripture. So, were thanks gonna guys for uh, inviting me so I can join this discussion.
4: Um, so what I was saying was, like you had that question. I think him being born as a baby, he had to experience do the whole experience. He had to prove that he was God. And, um, if let's say, like I have on my notes here, um, if he came as a grown man, was he fully man? You know, if he came, if, um, he had been God only, his sacrifice, his sacrifice would be seen as cheap and unconvincing, you know, so he had to prove that he was fully man and fully God. Because if he, You know, like uh, if he was just a man, his death would be just like another martyr. You know, it wouldn't prove anything. But since he was God and fully man, he went through the whole experience. And if I can jump to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter four, it talks about um, Jesus as the great high priest. And um, verse 15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is even. In every with every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in help and to help in times of need so i think that whole experience that jesus went through he was born from a virgin he he grew up and at every time he, he experienced everything that we may experience as humans you know, And he is able, like it says here, to sympathize with us. I think that's why it's so important. If he just, let's say he incarnated, he, he kind of um, appeared as a grown man. Materialized. Yeah, because it's actually interesting because when I was re- uh, reading into this, um, Hinduism, they, they believe almost like an avatar where um, their god almost can incarnate Partially, you know, or for a period of time. And that kind of belief is like the enemy uses, you know, to really dilute the real message of the gospel. So it's really interesting. I think that was the part of the plan, that God came as fully man, fully God, to really prove his deity. And I in another way, he,
0: he also proves it by doing it perfectly. He exactly. lived a life of perfection, of no exactly. sin. And from birth. From, from birth. birth. And no nobody no human can do that other than the creator. And he's the creator of, of humankind, right? So only he can do that. That also goes to show, I think.
1: Yeah, his 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 deity being yeah. 100% human and 100% God. Yep. But I, I also wrote down that verse for myself too, Hebrews 4.14. To really, it really brings out how Jesus Christ was, you know, as human as we are from a human perspective. He was as human as we are because he was tempted, uh, in every respect, as we are, and yet he was without sin. And the reason why he had to make sure that he was without sin is so that when his time came to be sacrificed on the cross, is that he can then take our sins on on himself. And so God's wrath will pour out on him and not on us. And so that through that, we can have eternal life. Because the only way really for us to have, you know, to be forgiven for our sins is, you know, temporary bloodshed through an animal or we die ourselves for our sins. But God did not want that. And so he sent his only son so that we can have eternal life and not have to go through that dying factor. He was the perfect sacrifice. Exactly. Clean. It's almost like it's impossible. He was the only, he was the only one worthy to to do something Take like
4: that, that
3: yeah. we as you know, we can never do that because we are born sinners. Mm-hmm. It's almost like God made it impossible for us to ever doubt His validity as both 100% God and 100% man. When Christ was on this earth, you know, He went like you were saying, Vlad. He went to the the extreme to prove that I am a man. I went through Mary went through nine months just like a normal human does. Again, even in those little areas, like okay, I, I get it. He has to be born as a man. Why not just skip the nine months? You know, he's God. He can do that technically. Well, that's yeah. But he even went to that extent that like, okay, even in that regard, mm-hmm. I am human. I'm 100% like, yeah, human.
2: Because even if you think about it from the perspective of his, we can say supernatural birth. Why supernatural? Because uh, Mary was a virgin. She did not know a man, the Bible says. So he was actually conceived through the Holy Spirit, but from Mary as well. So that's an interesting thing to even think about because just like you said, Mark, I was thinking, well, what if Mary and Joseph had a child and then God decided to all of a sudden, you know, possess this child before it had a conscience? So then, you know, like how like that, then it just changes things. There's like a whole bunch of loopholes. There's a whole bunch of questions that start coming into play as to like, well, why does God do this to a human being? And then like just thoughts that are coming into my mind. And I was just thinking, like, why is it even important the, the the very specific details of how it happened? Um, in that um, he was conceived or created from, like, you know, an egg uh, or a, a fetus, right? Um, and then uh, he grew. So you can say from even from the smallest detail, from from his very creation, from his very conception, he was a man, right? There's no there's no question. You can't argue it and say, well. Technically, he uh, didn't go through everything, so he's not fully man. He's fully 100% man, no question, no doubt. And I think one of the things that you meant, read there, we can have confidence. And that's important for us to have confidence, for us to have assurance that um, Christ um, did things the way he did because uh, so that we would know and that everything would be according to the law, right? Because He came, he came on this earth not to change the law, but to fulfill it. So and he fulfilled it even from the smallest detail to the point uh, of uh, his humility and death and resurrection. Yeah.
1: And just like us, Jesus, he felt pain, he felt sorrow, he felt anger, and he had all the emotions that we had. You know, he was tired because we know he slept, he ate everything. He was a hundred
3: percent human. And we see from, from his very birth to his, his death on the cross. Not once does he slip up in his humanity, even though he's tempted of it. And again, like Mark is bringing up, from his very conception, he was 100% man, and he never slipped up into the the deity part of it. He never used that as a crutch, even to his very death, where he's on the cross suffering for our sins, and people are telling him, "If you are God, then come down." And even in his death, he doesn't—not even for a second—does he does he lose that humanity? He keeps a hold of that humanity. Again, it's almost like God does it this way so that there's no way on earth you can like ever doubt, doubt that this is 100% God, but it's also 100% a man. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. and,
2: That's like a question that I've always had in my childhood was like, okay, we know that when Jesus was 12 and he was in the temple, um, he was asking questions that even you know, the priests there couldn't answer. Uh, or were amazed at least at his questions, um, and I always used to thought, think like at one point. At what point did Jesus know that he was the Son of God? Like, when did it occur to him? Because I'm just thinking also from the perspective of like a human being, we don't have an understanding or consciousness of who we are. So, what do
0: you guys think?
1: That's an interesting question.
0: Well, remember when he was in the temple teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, when asking. his when his mother are asking questions, his mother came right, and she was mm-hmm. like, "Where are you? Been looking for mm-hmm. you everywhere." And and he says, uh, "Don't you know that? Don't you know I'm doing mm-hmm. about my father's business?" Father's business. So even at an early age, I think he had a significant understanding of who he was. Um, that uh, is kind of you know amazing to think about. Um, yeah,
1: twelve years old. I mean, you look at our twelve-year-olds nowadays, and they are. <laughs> Sadly, far from something like that. Um, My my
2: father's business. What?
1: (laughs) Not not to bash on them, but you know, we. It's definitely. I mean, I'm guilty of this myself. At 12 years old, you know, going to church was definitely not my priority at that
2: time. Or listening to the word while you were at church was also. Exactly. When your parents dragged you there.
1: For me, it was more about how much candy can I stuff in my pocket so that I can try to make friends.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, that
3: was the priority for me. So I have a question for you guys, another one, I guess um, on verse fourteen I like how well, I like how he ends it this way, but a question for you guys why he ends it He says the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. why truth what 's the significance of truth? I understand the grace I understand that Christ had grace, I understand that his coming to this earth as we've been we've you know we've been talking a lot about how much of a merciful and graceful act it was for him to lower himself from godliness. But why truth? What, what is this truth that he's speaking of here? Can I read a verse?
0: Yes.
1: It's one of my favorite verses.
0: I think I, got, I think I got a pretty cool answer. And the only reason I think I, I like that question is because there's there's, I've been thinking about the word truth and what it means to um, a Christian as well. So I'll let Serge go.
1: Uh, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me.
0: So what is truth, Serge?
1: It is Jesus Christ.
0: I often thought about that, what truth means. So, you know, Vlad brought up uh, an example of another religion, right? And the way they're structured, what they believe in. Um, We know other cults like, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses and, and things of that nature that, you know, knock on your door and try to tell you. Um, but looking at all those religions, all those other understandings that are not based on scripture, we see, um, that they're lacking truth and the way they're lacking truth is they don't have Jesus Christ, God almighty that we have. The reason to say that is, uh, kind of like the explanation behind that is he was not only born as a human, the creator born as a human through the whole process, he also died, but one thing that he did that no other religions can ever come close to is he resurrected, right, on the third day, showing that he beat death. Um, and looking at that, that kind of, when I, sit, when, I, when I think of the word truth and what it means to me, that's how I explain truth to others. Why, why I believe God is my creator is in the truth is there. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the reason he's the truth is because he was not only born, Um, As a human, he died and resurrected and he beat the whole, he went through the whole path and he's still the creator, right? And he's still eternal and nothing really else can beat that. I I think um, in my opinion, it's again to
2: reconfirm his deity because in the beginning of the gospel, we read, we talked about how he was the word. He was with God. He was God. Um, And then here again, if you look at the, a little bit before what you just read, Mark, and we have seen his glory, right? So again, talking about Christ and his glory. So again, uh, and then look, glory as of, so what kind of glory? Glory as of the only son from the father. Obviously we know the father is talking about God, right? And then if you talk about God in simple terms, full of grace and truth, can we say that God is full of grace and truth? I I think we can. Um, Because, like, God, in the Old Testament, nowhere have we seen God do anything absolutely wrong, like, or even the slightest bit wrong. He's always either, he's always right, he's always true to his word, he's always, everything he says, he completes. He's faithful, and he is truth, and he speaks truth. Like, even when he introduces himself to uh, Moses, he says, I am that I am. Like, I am the definition of existence. I am all in all. That's like, he just says, you know, I am that I am, that one phrase. So if we talk about God full of grace and truth and then we look at um Jesus Christ, right? He had the glory as of the son of um glory as of the only son from the father. And John himself is bearing witness saying uh and we have seen his glory, talking about Christ's glory and that he's comparing Christ to God the Father and saying they're one and the same. I think this is again not only was he uh God before but even while he was on this earth and after his resurrection, we have seen and can confirm that he is um, the son of God. At least that's, that's kind of what I view this and verse.
1: And just more of a, on a minor note, just the next verse, he writes, John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I have said, he who comes after me ranks before me. And it's, to me, it also shows the fact that, you know, scripture was written over thousands of years by, you know, many 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 authors and they wrote all wrote of the same thing no other religion has anything like that right no other religion has anything like that where people wrote about the same thing that when that one person came he actually executed those things to the t to the i to the dot exactly as it was written about him and he did it all for us not for himself not to prove some kind of fancy point but Obviously, you know, for Jesus Christ, because everything's for him, by him, through him, but for us as well, so that we can be with him. No other religion has it. And to me, that's you know a big statement. It's not the only statement, but it's a big statement why this is the truth, why Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the only savior. So
3: I feel like maybe to someone listening to this, to someone it might be this might be some awesome information, but there could be someone listening to this right now and you're thinking why are these guys getting so deep into this? What is the point? Like, why can't we just talk about how, how happy we all are? Because it's Christmas time and and we are. But you could be asking that question, why? Why are you guys getting so deep into this? Why is this so important? Why, do I, why am I supposed to care about this? And I think the more we talk about this, the more we realize that the birth of Christ is a very pivotal moment in the faith of a believer. I think that the belief that we have of, of Christ coming to this earth, dying for our sins, just as, much as we, just as much as being a believer requires you to acknowledge the fact that God created this earth in seven days. That's a very pivotal thing to your, your personal theology, to your personal beliefs. I think the birth of Christ is a very pivotal moment that if you don't get it right, it kind of switches things up. It, it could hinder your full understanding of, of the whole narrative of, of the gospel. And I think this verse, verse 14, does such a great job of summarizing what takes our belief from just being about some guy who lived 2,000 years ago, just some guy who was born, he died for our sins, and and he kept moving on. This moment, specifically, our whole faith falls apart if we don't acknowledge the fact that this was God himself being born. That's why this is so important. That's why Christmas is so much more important than just the the fun times that we have even though it is important because this is where we acknowledge the fact that hope is born that's why we always you, know, you always use the word hope around christmas time that's why there's hope during christmas time because we were destined for sin and death and that's all we had ever known and yet hope was born because the son of god was born and i think that it's so important that we got this right it's so important that whoever you are listening to this that you get his birth right because All of it starts here. It all hinders off of how you perceive his birth. Like Serge read in uh, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. If you don't know who Jesus is to his fullest, how can you get to the Father if Jesus is your way to the Father? And his birth is just as important in that as much as his death was important in that because it's all part of his overall goal or journey to saving our souls, to giving us the opportunity for salvation or redemption.
2: Again, it gives us confidence and assurance of, um, in our faith in who we believe in. Um, it's not like you said, um, I I think a lot of, even a lot of different religions and even now historically people can't say there's too much historical evidence to just say Christ never existed. So a lot of people say, yeah, there was a man named Christ. Even, you know, Muslims say, uh, yeah, he was a prophet right? Um, But clearly here, John is strictly saying, no, he was um, in the beginning, he created things, and then that same entity, that same deity that was in the beginning became flesh. So, there was a transition. It wasn't like, you know, just some random person came out um, spouting things that he got from like a revelation. It's the, like, a, that's what a prophet is, right? He, a prophet gets a revelation from God and then he then uh, reveals it or uh, passes on the message to the people. But Christ um, was, he transitioned, he retained that same knowledge, he retained that same understanding. We see when we read through the different gospels, we talk. Christ even talks about um, how he's seeing the father work things and how everything he's doing, everything that he says is not of his own volition. It's coming from the Father and what He, his Father commanded him to say. So he he uh, retained that same knowledge, that same understanding of everything, and therefore um, he is who he is. And that's why we can have faith and assurance because we know that it was the Son of God. It wasn't just random Joe Schmo that died on the cross for our sins that maybe seemed a little too perfect to be true. But we know that he was perfect because he is... I think like it, this one verse just kind of just like puts a nail in the coffin thing. so that's it.
0: There's one very touching kind of ending to, to, to realizing who Christ is. And I think He actually spoke about himself in a way to the people. Do you guys remember one exact parable that he spoke about? He spoke Luke? many parables. Yeah, um, this parable kind of came into my head, and I, and I was reading it to make sure you know um, it goes along with what I want to say, and it totally makes sense. When um, he was talking about the parable of the wicked uh, vine dressers, um, he spoke about he said, and I wanted to read these kind of verses, these few verses, because I, I feel like this would be an awesome kind of a, a whole wrap up to understand you know Christ's story, um, why he really had to come here, uh, how much love he has for us and when we read this parable it kind of gives us a little bit better of an understanding i think Um, then he began to tell people in the parable a certain man planted a vineyard leased it to the vine dressers and went into the far country for a long time now at the vintage time he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some sort of fruit of the vineyard but the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed Again, he sent another servant that they beat him also, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. And the owner of the vineyard said, "'What shall I do? "'I will send my beloved son. "'Probably they will respect him when they see him. "'But among themselves... "'But when the vine dressers saw him, "'they reasoned among themselves, saying, "'This is the higher Come, let us kill him, and that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And we know that after that happened, um, there was a lot of commotion going on, and they really wanted to, uh, you know, they wanted to kill Jesus after that. I know that a lot of the chief priests and scribes, they, they, They wanted to kill him because they were scared. They'd had that fear. Um, But just going into that parable, just picture, just think about who Jesus is to you, what his birth means to you. And apart from all of the other things, the Christmas trees, the lights, the presents, the gifts, think about the creator of you, your father coming down in your form, living a life um, and doing it perfectly through every step, just so you can have the chance of salvation, just so you can have everlasting life with him. No matter who you are, no matter um, the sins you've done in your life, you know, you might be at a time where you're sitting there and thinking, what, you know, what's the point of my life? Uh, why do I deserve? None of us deserved it, not any one of us, but he still came here, and he, he being sinless, being perfect, took everybody's sins with him when he died and resurrected. And if you think about that whole complete picture, I think Christmas is just a bigger meaning to you. And I know it is to me, and I know John, showing that quality that Jesus is God really helps you understand what Christmas means. Anybody else have anything to add? Too much.
2: I was just thinking about our entire, uh, session now. There's like a lot of passages, even in Hebrews that talks about how, who Christ is and how great he is and the whole purpose of, um, his coming. One thing that we talked about, um, this time was who he was, what, what was the significance of him coming? And, um, I think just like, uh, Alex, you just wrapped it up, I think kind of perfectly saying not not only is it important who he was, not only is it important for us to understand the significance of his coming, but why he came, right? His, his purpose wasn't, you know, just to give us a message. His purpose was salvation, right? His purpose was because he loved us, because he loved us he came, because he loved us he could take this humility, take this huge step down and... Um, you know, die on the cross for our sins.
3: I think to wrap this up, I think that's, that's why Christmas is all about, you know, hope, peace, goodwill towards men. I think Alex, like Mark said, Alex, you wrapped it up perfectly, that this is the beginning of our hope. His birth was the moment where it's almost like we were fighting an uphill battle and we were losing. For thousands of years, humans were losing and the moment Christ comes into the picture, there's this spark of hope and, and it's born inside of a baby and, and it's, it's who he was. Again, it's, it's that truth. Christ was the truth of our salvation. He was that perfect being. It's hard for us to even find the words to describe what he was and what he means because it, it's so much more than just words can describe. And I think we read a similar passage, but in Romans it says, therefore, as through one man's sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. And then we read in chapter one here, it says in him was life and life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. That was John chapter one, verse four and five. You see this contrast of what humanity was going through. It was going through death. It was going through sin. It was going through darkness. And here we see a spark of light. It says that this light came into mankind and now we can see, now we have some sort of assurance in this lifetime. We living in a dark world, whatever we might be going through in our personal lives, it's all darkness, it's all sin. All it does is lead us towards death. But Christ is that one spark of light. That's what Christmas is about. That's, if you're gonna put your hope in anything this Christmas, put it in Christ, find your way to him. Be assured in the fact that he is the perfect light in this lifetime. You're not going to find that light. You're not going to find that joy, that peace or happiness in anything else that this world has to offer. He alone can enlighten your path and show you what your whole point on this earth is and where you're going. And, and you'll, he'll give you a reason to exist on this earth. He'll give you a greater purpose. And that's where we find hope. That's what, that's what Christmas means to a believer. There's so much more to it. And you know, we've been talking for an hour and five minutes now, and I feel like we've barely scratched the surface because there's just so much to talk about. Because when it comes to Christ, there's just, we can go for for days and days and days, and we'd love to, but we have to wrap this up. I just want anybody who's listening, anybody who might be going through a time of of hopelessness, and you're going through Christmas, and, and you're going through a hard time, you're going through a dark time, you're in that darkness that I read about, find that light. I promise you Christ will provide that brightness in your life. He'll, he'll show you that reason to have hope. He'll give you a reason to wake up every morning. He'll show you a greater purpose for your life. And you're going to find that joy. And you're, you're going to realize that when you have Christ in you, every day is Christmas morning. You know, every day is such a joyful day to be alive because Christ is with you.
2: Yeah. And I think he's, he's not just a light. He's the light. He's not just a purpose. He's not just a hope. He's the hope. He's the purpose. Amen. Because if it wasn't for him, there would we. We already talked about it from the very beginning. What awaits us? Death.
3: Amen. Amen. Let's Merry pray. Christmas to everybody. Let's end this in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you as humbled and just your lowly servants, Lord. We understand that we don't deserve you and. We definitely don't deserve your son, Lord. We're so thankful that you left your word behind for us, that you provided your word for us so that we can dwell upon it, we can meditate on it. Every single day we can wake up and and understand it more and more and study it more and more and understand what you want for us in this world, Lord. I'm so thankful that you let another year pass where we're able to celebrate Christmas once again, Lord. I'm so thankful that you sent your son to be born on this earth, to live through this earth so that he can experience life as we experience it, Lord, so that we can truthfully say that we follow a God who isn't just above everything, but he was with us. He walked on this earth. He He talked to us. He was with us. He had friends in this earth. He experienced life and death in this earth, Lord. And I'm so thankful that we serve a living God, a God who is so much greater than what we can do on this earth. And I just pray right now that you help all of us to have an amazing Christmas, to acknowledge what it really means to be a follower of you, Lord, to be able to be a light to the world around us, not because there's anything good about us, Lord, but because you live inside of us and you are the light of this world, Lord. I'm so thankful for this opportunity that you give us, Lord. I pray for all of our listeners, whether we have one person listening or a hundred people listening, I pray that you help them to see your light more and more every single day, Lord. Help us to all be able to grow in your body, Lord, to be a good servant to you, Lord, and to the people around us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.